The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. Yeah, we're going to talk about functional medicine health coaching. I think health coaches should wear a whistle. Okay, I'm calling a personal foul on that one. What, for the bagel I ate? The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. Yeah, what if health coaches followed you around with a whistle? Oh, I would. And just like blew the whistle every time you ate gluten. Oh yeah, I would do that (laughs) for sure. Be at your dining room table. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? I am crushing it today. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great. Welcome to this podcast called The Lab Report, where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And if you like this show, maybe go to iTunes or Spotify and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us some stars, rate and review. We like those stars. Yeah. Stars are good. (laughs) They're delicious. What if they have more to say besides the feedback on iTunes? They can send that feedback to podcast at gdx.net, which is the email address if you're not familiar with what email addresses sound like. (laughs) Don't put that address on your envelope and take it to the post office. (laughs) They're not going to deliver it. They're not not. going to know where that is. That's right. That's not a a place. (laughs) What are you on about? Good question, Oliver. (laughs) How How about we just get into it? Chappers, what are we talking about today? Yeah, good question as well. Wow, Oliver, you are on, on fire. point. So today we are talking to Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, and I'm super excited about this conversation. Yeah, because she's founded an academy to teach functional medicine health coaching. And, you know, health coaches are so important. They kind of bridge that gap. We talk a lot about behavior change here on this podcast, and they're the ones really in the trenches, holding yeah. hands, cheerleading, yeah. getting people through the tough times. And so this will be fun. Let's not waste another second of the people's time. Let's, yeah. let's just... We do a lot of that, don't we? Dive right in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, me and I, we do. Let's call her. So, Patty. Yeah. Do you know who we have on today? Oh, we have Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum on. I'm so excited. Let me tell you a little <laughs> bit about Dr. Scheinbaum. So, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum is passionate about transforming healthcare by training health coaches to teach people to become CEOs of their own health. Aww. She spent nearly five decades making healthcare and education more holistic and innovative. With a PhD in clinical psychology, Sandy specialized in positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, and mind body medicine. She served as a teacher and the director of a clinic for attention deficit disorder, and she is a pioneer in her fields, having implemented programs such as the use of neurofeedback and becoming the first ever psychologist to earn certification with the Institute for Functional Medicine. Whoa. Dr. Scheinbaum founded the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy in collaboration with IFM. A clinical psychologist for over 35 years, she is also the author of several books, including Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps, and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks. And with that, Welcome. we'd like to say thank you for joining us, Dr. Scheinbaum. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. Well, great. Well, Dr. Scheinbaum, you've had many careers, including over 35 years as a clinical psychologist. Can you talk about your career path and how you ended up at age 65, when most people are retiring, founding the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy? 
Sure. Well, where I am now is uh, where I never would have imagined when I was first starting out. I thought I was going to be a school teacher, oh. like most women in the late 60s. You went into teaching or nursing, right. and I chose teaching. And so I taught in a classroom. I specialized in special education and mm -hmm. then went on to teach teachers at a local college how to be teachers of kids with special needs. And from there, that led to an interest in stress management and helping kids and parents and teachers relax. At the time, we didn't call it mind-body medicine. Mm -hmm. In fact, now we're talking about breath work, and huh. there's a lot of focus on that. Yeah. Right. But at the time I was teaching it, it was actually considered really radical to go there. I went on and got a doctorate and I was always more of a renegade psychologist mm -hmm. when I started my practice because at the time most people were psychoanalytic orientation mm -hmm. and I wanted to see about this thing called cognitive behavior therapy if we could integrate it with mind body medicine and that led to specializing in using those as ways of helping people and blending with biofeedback where you get information mm. back. And mm. so that was really exciting. And from there, uh, it just morphed into an interest in nutrition, interest in movement. And I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine, trained with them. And then that inspired me to go back to my roots as a teacher, mm. because I'm a psychologist when I was practicing, that was my license. And as a psychologist, I could not prescribe supplements, order, interpret labs. Those are the things I had learned about. Mm -hmm. Many of the facets of functional medicine uh, involved actually practicing medicine. And so I wanted to teach these principles integrated with what I had learned and practiced personally and taught to my patients as a psychologist for so many years, which was integrating all of this mm. into the, you know, the positive psychology piece, the mind-body medicine, psychology of eating. So I put that together with functional medicine principles and partnered with the Institute for Functional Medicine. And so at 65, I had a thriving practice and many people said, well, why don't you just stay there? Mm -hmm. You have a good practice. And then eventually in a few years, you can retire. Uh, why do you need to do this? Well, I love learning. I have a quick start. I love challenges. I love the excitement of creating. Mm -hmm. And I love help the idea of this was the way to really help people through health coaches. And so that's why founded FMCA. And I had someone who was working uh, with me at the time, Elise, and she's our co-founder. So uh, she, because uh, you cannot do it alone when mm -hmm. you start something like we, uh, when you start right. a school, uh, <laughs> you, you need a partner, you need somebody at your side. And so uh, that was beneficial. So I was blessed not only to have uh, the, um, the two of us building this, but of course, IFM support. 
much. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I hear kind of through that whole story is just your ability and pursuit to continually follow your interests. And I think that's such a, yeah. a really great quality just for, for overall, uh, you know, staying curious and, and following your interests. And really just really well done. Yeah. And pivoting, right. Into yeah. pivoting into new things and bringing it all together. I, I admire that passion, yeah. Dr. Scheinbaum. There's a lot of pivoting. I, I didn't mention, I, I left out, uh, there was the time for about almost two years when I just left teaching. I just left the classroom and I hadn't started teaching at a college yet. And I found my way down to the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. I was actually in the pits. This was in the seventies. Uh-huh. As you can imagine, now I'm, I'm a little bit over five feet and have no strong voice to project. I'm in the trading pits. Oh my. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> literally ex linebackers <laughs> trading pork belly <laughs> so quickly realized no this is not for me i need to get back to something with with meaning and purpose uh, where i can be involved in really helping people change i love yeah. it and that leads us to talking a little bit about uh, functional medicine coaches so can we talk uh, you know maybe mention the difference between functional medicine doctors and functional medicine coaches and and what exactly does a health coach do like why why do people why do we need them Sure. So let me give you a bit of background. My training as a psychologist, late 70s, early 80s, it was in more of a humanistic therapy orientation, and it's client-centered. From that orientation grew the whole field of coaching. In fact, my mentor was somebody who went on to be the founder of a very renowned program for training coaches from life coaches, executive coaches, then it was like a spinoff, if you want to think of it that way, involved health and wellness coaching. What do health and wellness coaches do? Well, they inspire passion and purpose in others. That is something that comes from the entire coaching field. And they are focusing on helping people change when change is hard. Actually, the word coach, uh, which is take someone from where they are to where they want to be, that actually comes from a coach where uh, you had a big picture, a horse and buggy. And a coach would come and take you from where you're currently physically located to where you want to be your destination. That's a coach. And how they differ from a doctor, a functional medicine doctor would be that they are not the expert. They, their role is not to diagnose, to prescribe, to recommend. Their role is to be guides, to support, and they help people along that process. They help people understand the plan of care so they can be educators. They help people to develop goals and hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And those are often broken down into very actionable first steps so that it's guaranteed success. And they celebrate those tiny wins. Mm -hmm. They are not therapists, but there are elements of psychotherapy because they support people emotionally. And especially now, it's so crucial. You know, people are lonely, they're feeling isolated, and they want to be heard. They can also, I might point out, work one-on-one, either live in a physical office or increasingly now remote, and they can 
coach groups, either live or remote groups. So we were very fortunate when we started to be 100% remote. In fact, there were some naysayers who said, no, the kind of experiential learning that you want, the caliber of training that you're after, you can't do that 100% online. Mm -hmm. Build into that program some you know, weekend tr live trainings. And I just said, no, we'll use Zoom, which at the time was relatively new. People hadn't heard of it. Uh, and we'll break people into cohort groups and they'll get that experiential learning, accountability with a course facilitator, and it's worked really well. Wow. There's a lot of forethought there. That's really great. Yeah, who knew? Right, right. Yeah. Well, do you need to be from a healthcare field in order to become a health coach? Like, do you have to have a science background? No. This is something that uh, many people think is uh, important. And in our student body, it's about 50% who mm -hmm. come from a healthcare background, ranging from nurses, dietitians, nutritionists, medical doctors. We've had dentists, we have pharmacists, uh, we have people from the wellness field, personal trainers, yoga, Pilates teachers. And then we have people who have no background whatsoever. They are career changers and they may have been even in retirement. We've had some people who thought that they were retired and they are what they have and what I think everybody who comes to coaching has. It's a calling to serve others. It's hmm. a mission. It's very strong to give back. Another commonality is having suffered yourself and found functional medicine. Mm -hmm. And often it's the functional medicine doctors are saying to a patient who's done really well, or they'll identify someone who is really a giver. You know, they're out there in the waiting room and they're saying, oh, try this recipe. Or, <laughs> you know, they're, they're basically coaching already. They don't right, know it. Right. And uh, helping somebody feel supported. And so they will say, oh, you'd make a great coach. Why don't you go to Functional Medicine Coaching Academy? Uh, so that is a common right. pathway. Uh -huh. uh, but to get back to your original question, no. In fact, the evidence shows that the best coaches often come with no healthcare background. And the reason for that is when you're already, let's say you're a doctor, well, you are so used to telling people what to do, giving them the plan. It's really hard to step out and shift now to using a coach approach. In fact, we have people who are uh, been students or graduates and they were IFM faculty. They are IFM faculty. Mm -hmm. And in those little cohort groups, like they struggle the most yeah. uh, amongst their cohorts to get the yeah. coach approach because yeah. they're so they just want to like <laughs> give it to people. You know, they want to tell them what to do. Yeah, yeah. makes yeah. sense. And you know, another question I had with respect to how effective a good health coach is, like, is there like a frequency of interaction that seems to be showing like that that's more effective than not? Like, do, would we be expecting to interact with our health coach weekly or monthly? Is there any data on that? Or what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's personalized, just like functional medicine is personalized. So for some people, they need, especially at the onset, a lot of contact. Yeah. It might be through texting, through you know, shooting an email. It might be those weekly sessions. It could be biweekly. 
or it could be extended. It depends on where the person is. They identify what they need. That's the beauty of client-centered. They're in charge. So they work it out with the coach. It's not like the coach says, I have a program and you have to come see me once a week. Mm-hmm. Client will say, well, for now with my work and family obligations, I'd like to do every other week. So it's their journey. Yeah. And the coach is along to listen and support and can provide feedback. So the coach could say back, well, you know, the, um, you know, would, would you be open to coming more often? What are your thoughts about starting weekly? And then we can shift. Mm-hmm. So certainly they can engage in that dialogue, but ultimately it's the, the client's choice. Yeah, Great. that makes sense. I, I appreciate that. Um, another question I had was, you know, in the midst of this global pandemic that's going on right now, um, what have you noticed as far as the roles that health coaching is playing for both patients and doctors? Is it similar to when this wasn't occurring? Have things shifted and it looks different? Like what what effect has the, the pandemic played in health coaching? Well, overall, it's resulted in this field exploding. Mm. The mm. desire for people to become coaches. They, we have many people who are feeling displaced or they're really turning inward and reevaluating what they want out of life and what they want their work to be like. Mm-hmm. And if they're not feeling fulfilled. And so they often shift for, or then maybe they've been displaced like an acupuncturist, a massage therapist, a yoga teacher who suddenly is hurting in their business where they can add coaching because they can do that remotely. And then similarly, physicians, other providers are finding that they're often not that comfortable with telehealth or with groups. Mm -hmm. And so a coach can come in and really be uh, taking that process and making it very successful. As for example, that there might be a drop-off in people coming for in-person visits or for regular treatments. The coach could get on the phone call or arrange um, a, a meeting virtually and can have that conversation. We do know, I've heard this many times, and there's some documentation that People are very comfortable with a coach. They relate. There's a a rapport and they will share things that they may not want to disclose to the provider. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they've fallen off the wagon or that that, um, chart that they might be asked to fill out about the the checklist about their foods they've eaten. They might leave out the bag of cookies from the night before. They're embarrassed. Or they may feel the doctor is rushed or they feel it's an authority figure. And for whatever reason, they may not state what's really on their mind. Mm -hmm. And they can with a coach. It's a different kind of relationship. And so often then the coach will play that important role with communicating with people who are not coming into the office. Yeah, that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. But even, I mean, your years of being a, a clinical psychologist must come into play in training coaches. So how do you use some of that positive psychology or your mind-body medicine techniques in your program in teaching functional medicine coaches? It's a huge part. Mm-hmm. So our curriculum is the basic principles of functional medicine, the operating system, the way you understand the root causes of 
conditions and the coach can act as the educator. The real important coaching piece has to do with what's right with people and not what's wrong with them. How do people flourish? How do you help people build resilience? And that comes from the field of positive psychology. That's where I, that's uh, actually when I was way back in the day and I was focusing there, I didn't have a name yet. That wasn't quite, uh, until the mid nineties when uh-huh. uh, Mark Seligman coined the term positive psychology uh-huh. and they started formally researching this. <clears throat> but it's focusing on uh, our curriculum is based on what's called character strengths. So this was something when we started five years ago I built this, I integrated it with the functional medicine curriculum. And that is the character strengths are strengths are the traits you have that really allow you to thrive and grow. And so, for example, love of learning is one of mine, which allowed me to go on and, um, as we talked about earlier, to have my career morph into many different areas. Mm-hmm. And so what a coach does is we there's some surveys people fill out where you identify what's called their signature strengths, what really makes them them. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's humor. Uh, they are always known, oh, you have such a good sense of humor, or you're always making people laugh. Mm-hmm. And so the coach then would show them, and they would have lot of coaching conversations where when things get hard, how do you use that sense of humor mm-hmm. to thrive mm-hmm. and to feel good, help others feel good. And so that's a big part of it. Um, so the bringing in that piece, as well as the mind-body medicine piece, helping people with breathing, with nonverbal expression, with imagery, and then paired with they're often catastrophic thinking. People who often are getting into states of anxiety, for example, are thinking in all or nothing terms. Now, again, I want to point out that coaches are not doing psychotherapy. They are supporting people. And the other area that is really crucial when we're talking about dietary changes, and that is what's behind how and why we eat, the psychology Mm. of it. Mm. And uh, I used to teach university courses in psychology of eating and how we approach food and when we eat and our habits around food choices and eating behaviors. It's like a Rorschach, that equa test tells uh-huh. a lot about who you are, who your family, huh. uh, your, your friends, your peers, your, your culture. You know, another question that I had too is, well, just to follow up on what you were saying as well, you know, I think it's so interesting to focus on people's strengths because it's very, very common for whether it's doctors, clinicians, all of us to actually, you know, tend to focus more on our weaknesses and trying to correct our mm-hmm. weaknesses. That uh, That's sort of like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And it's like, if you're just focusing on your strengths, then you're really playing to your, your best qualities. Absolutely. And we tend to go to what's wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you get a lab report. Well, where do you focus on? The one that's out of range. (laughs) Or let's say you have a meeting with your doctor and he's talking about the concerns. That's where you direct your attention. You're not focusing on, well, what about all of the ones that are optimal yeah. and mm-hmm. what's right with you and how well you're functioning. And that's what positive psychology is. It's a different orientation. It's a different way of thinking. Yeah. And so that what the coach can do 
through a conversation, through asking the right questions and by listening, because that's one of the key roles of a coach. They have the time and they really listen to people. And so they can have that strength talk and Mm -hmm. they can suggest that people go home and start identifying strengths and as it's a skill that you practice and it gets easier and easier that to shift away from dwelling on the negative, hyper-focusing mm-hmm. on what's wrong with you because the whole medical uh, community is based on what's wrong. You know, we even in functional medicine, we do the timeline, but it's identifying your triggers or identifying right. the conditions that, that uh, you're suffering from, the times of trauma. And so what we, what we teach through character strengths training is another layer. So, so you take that functional medicine timeline, someone's story, and you superimpose their character strengths. How did they thrive? I love that. And I love it mainly because I, I tend to be kind of a glass half full kind of person in general. I'm like a Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farms type. So I appreciate that. But to teach that to someone and to help them through that is really interesting, which, you know, I guess they would learn through your positive psychology in your program. So how do people get into your program? How, how do they get into this functional medicine coaching academy? Sure. So we have our program is 12 months. It's all online. And we have classes that start March 1st and September 1st. So depending on when this is aired, we have a class starting March 1st or September. Great. Great, great. Another question, you know, you wrote several books, the Functional Medicine Coaching book, but you also wrote the book Stop Panic Attacks and 10 Easy Steps and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks and have a little bit of a, a personal interest having in my past suffered from panic attacks and knowing how debilitating those can be. What what was it that drew you to to focusing on on panic attacks as a topic to write about? I used to get panic attacks like you <laughs> when I was in my 20s. Uh-huh. I literally thought I was dying. I felt I couldn't breathe. I was going to pass out. I was having a heart attack. I had actually a couple trips to the emergency room. And then I started digging into mind-body medicine and specifically breathing, hand-warming techniques, biofeedback workshops where we learn. So I started digging into mind-body medicine and focused on the all the ways that you can stop a panic attack, Hmm. uh, which involves often distraction. So often people are hyper-focused, and which is one of the things that may not work uh, because we often hear, well, you need to take a meditation class. Mm -hmm. You need to uh, learn breathing techniques. And yes, that will help, but you're putting the cart before the horse Hmm. because when you're having panic, attack or you're worried about having a panic attack and that's a lot of it is that fear of the panic so you start withdrawing oh i'm not going to go out to that event because what if i have a panic attack and so that's what will happen people might be sitting in a meditation class or they're working on breathing techniques and they're hyper focused and thinking oh when is it going to start i'm not feeling good because this am i going into a panic attack Mm -hmm. and so they're so tuned inward and that's what i was constantly i remember sitting in a a theater watching a play and i don't even remember what was on stage because i was so tuned into my heart and oh i'm feeling tightness and pain and oh what's going happening down my left arm is that a sign of having a heart attack and so starting with things like distraction really pulling yourself into something that involves a a lot of thinking Mm -hmm. where you are 
focusing on something neutral and not what's causing the fear. Uh, and then also even starting with things like muscle relaxation, we tend to brace, imagery, and then the catastrophic thinking is huge. And so you start to shift. There's many ways to do that where, and you have patience because you're so tuned into those physical sensations. We're not realizing that what we've been doing is we have our finger on like the emergency fire alarm. And so we need to stop that process by basically telling ourselves, no, false alarm, and then soon I'm going to relax because we get into a panic very quickly, but the relaxation process is slow and so applying patience. And at the same time, then you are developing that breathing. And that really is key because often you're hyperventilating yeah. and you're focusing on not getting enough air. So you keep breathing more in and you need to sit with that and practice when you're feeling good this getting used to this belly breathing combined with slowing it down a whole lot. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All really fantastic tips and, and things that I noticed personally were, were effective uh, for myself. So I appreciate that. And I think that'll be really helpful for a lot of people out there. Um, and just want to say, you know, thank you so much for coming on before we let you go. I have one last question. Um, it's a little bit of a surprise hmm. question. And so hopefully that's okay, but <laughs> we're going to be releasing this yeah. around the time of Thanksgiving. And so my question for you is, do you have a favorite Thanksgiving <laughs> dish? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so um, this is something that comes from my raw vegan days, which thankfully that's not me anymore. Okay. I am, um, you know, full disclosure, that was not a healthy time um, to, to uh, or sustainable. Okay. Uh, but at the time I had a wonderful raw apple pie and what? it was super simple. I just <laughs> chopped up some nuts and a tiny bit of dates for a little bit of sweetener that became the crust and then it was apples and tons of cinnamon and I decorated it and then I make my own uh, ice cream from coconut milk it's hmm. a, a Rio keto version and I have from an ice cream maker so it's really yummy to combine that uh, dollop of ice cream on that uh -huh. rival pie and it's a tradition so my my daughters love it because they remember <laughs> wow that sounds years. delicious that, that sounds really good. delicious yeah. <laughs> I love that thank you anytime I hear the word cinnamon Me too. I'm like I'm apples in. apples and cinnamon <laughs> yeah it, it basically is apples and, and cinnamon <laughs> well awesome well we can't thank you enough Dr. Scheinbaum for spending time with us today and teaching us about health coaching and we're going to encourage all of our listeners to check out the website if they're interested in getting into functional medicine coaching Coaching and to check out these books, Functional Medicine Coaching, Stop Panic Attacks in 10 Easy Steps, and How to Give Clients the Skills to Stop Panic Attacks. And with that, thank you so much, yeah, Dr. Thank Scheinbaum. You, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Wow, how charming was she? She's great. I see why she's a health coach. It was a lot right? of fun. Like yeah. She's one of those people that makes you feel better. Yeah, I feel better. Yeah, I do too. And I admire her, you know, someone who's had so many different careers and each, each stop along that path, she picked up some skills and eventually puts them all together. And I need to get a health coach. I think we all need a health coach. And I don't, I don't mean like for my practice. I mean like for me. Yeah, I do too. 
Can you see Dr. Scheinbaum chasing you around your house with a whistle every time you eat gluten? I can see it, kind of slapping the bagel out of my hands. <laughs> she doesn't seem like a slapping the bagel out of no, this type of a person. <laughs> that's the thing, too, right? <laughs> it's, it's sort of different perspective on health coaching and, and actually a personalized approach to health coaching yeah. uh, makes a lot of sense as far as how people are going to respond to a particular style, mm-hmm. um, particular motivation, all that is information that that you know a health coach needs to gather and implement and you know it's like we say every episode on the show it depends everyone's situation is different every person is different so it depends do we say that on every episode it depends next time on the lab report a special episode special how i'll give you a hint oh you like that thanksgiving episode (laughs) you've been listening to the lab report If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. You know, Michael, we have a lot of different sound effects on that board. Yeah. The, tur- the turkey gobbles up there. I used to just like the wheel the best, and then I like that. We'll see. I mean, I get the sense that the turkey gobble is going to be really limited in its usage. Fair. <laughs>